Yeah, I did. I cared a lot what people thought, what people said. I took offence to people um, saying stuff that wasn't true. Michael Clark has been called abrasive and polarising, flashy and arrogant. But when I sat down with him to talk about confidence, I found someone refreshingly real and delightfully introspective who's learned a lot of lessons in the fire of life. My challenge is getting out of bed every day, and I think a lot of us face that same challenge. As one of the best batsmen of all time who went on to become Australia's 43rd cricket captain, it might surprise you to learn the swagger was all a bit of a show. All through my career, even from when I started as a young boy, I always got nervous. In this conversation, we cover the glamorous girlfriends, the insane media attention and his biggest and best confidence journey to date as a single dad. She's changed me a lot uh, for the better. She's definitely softened me. I'm Katrina Blowers and this is Claiming Your Confidence. Michael, I'm so excited that we managed to make this happen. It's so lovely to talk to you. Yeah, you too. Thanks for having me. I'm sorry I've had to postpone a few times, but uh, (laughs) now we're in COVID lockdown, I'm going nowhere. So it's nice to be home. It's nice to be able to chat on Zoom. You're a busy man and you do brekkie radio now. Did you ever think that that would be in your future? Yeah, see these tight eyes? They're earned. (laughs) Um, You know what? No, I didn't. I never thought I'd do radio and... I guess all through my career, there was a lot of TV interviews. Every now and then you do some radio stuff, but no, I certainly didn't think I'd be uh, co-hosting a sports show um, <laughs> with two legends, two great guys. Um, yeah, every morning getting up at four o'clock. But yeah, uh, I love it. Honestly, I've always been a morning person. Um, I'd probably prefer to get up at five rather than four, but since having my little girl, um, Four's a bit of a sleep in, so I can't complain. <laughs> yeah, four is four is a, a very decent start to the day. So when do you when do you fit in all the rest of your stuff? Like when do you work out? Do you work out pre-show or post-show? Uh, it varies. If my daughter wakes me before um, I'm meant to get up, I find it very hard to go to sleep. So at times I'll get up. I've got a gym at my house. So at times I'll get up and um, do something before I go to radio. But ideally... Um, I like to go to radio, I finish at nine, um, then I'll go and do, you know, straight to the gym, get that done and then try and get whatever other business stuff I've got in before I pick my little girl up from school. Yeah. Now, I'd love to go back in time to when you were growing up. You know, I understand that you you pretty much took to cricket pretty early on in life, but when did you realise that this was a thing that actually you were better at than most kids? Uh, oh, look, I started cricket at six. So I played cricket in the summer, rugby league in the winter, and really those two sports because that's what my father played and I wanted to be like my dad. Um, and then I got to about 15 and I probably had to make a bit of a choice in regards to um, cricket was becoming full-time. So every, you know, you train three or four times a week and then both on Saturday and Sunday you would have um, – different style club cricket, representative cricket, um, got into Green Shield, which was like an under-16 program. Um, so, yeah, I, then I committed to cricket and I don't think there was much of a choice because I loved rugby league, I still do, but I, was, I wasn't I was great at it. 
Um, so I stuck with cricket and then, I don't know, I don't think you ever really know until you, you know, maybe when I, maybe when I started playing first grade at 16, the older guys around me sort of educated me in a way that, you know, you've got the skills and you've got the talent to, to play at the next level. And now it was about learning the craft, really learning everything it took to, to play against to play against grown men. And, and I was such a little kid. I was so short um, that it did. It took my body as much as anything, a bit of time, probably that 16, 17, 18 years of age to, to mature and, and grow and to be able to compete at that level. So when did you go through your growth spurt? Uh, I probably had a couple. I, I think probably around that 12 or 13, I really shot up in regards to um, not so much height, but you lose that, you know, the baby fat and um, <laughs> yeah. the, 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 the voice starts to change. But it wasn't really, like I think in regards to size, um, and again, I'm still, I'm not, I'm not that tall now, I'm about 179 centimetres. I, I, I think I probably... You know, I was, I was a late bloomer, probably that, like I say, that 17, 18. Um, wow. Really, yeah. Yeah, I was I was such a tiny kid. Um, so, yeah, it was really, I reckon, if I think of under-17s for New South Wales, I was still the smallest kid in the team and really lean. Gosh. Yeah, I was really yeah. small as well. So, how, how did you get out there and mix it up with much bigger kids then? Were you like a yeah, bit of a, a terrier? Technique. For me, that was a thing. It was about not getting out. So a lot of the time I would bat and the guy at the other end would make runs because I couldn't hit it to the boundary as a kid. So my job was to make sure I didn't get out so my partner could make runs and we as a team could make runs. And like I say, that was still happening in first grade at 16 years of age. Um, <laughs> yeah. So thank God that changed. I got a little bit stronger and um, I was able to do what I loved. So when you were 23, that's um, when you burst onto the international scene and I was thinking to myself what that must have been like. You know, I reckon the night before I wouldn't have got any sleep had that have been me, but not only did you get out there as a really young guy, but you smashed it out of the park. You made 150 on debut. What was, were you naturally confident then? Did you naturally have a bit of swagger about you? Uh, I think I had, I think I had confidence, but I was still, I was still nervous all through my career. Even from when I started as a young boy, I always got nervous. Um, I'm, I'm, I guess I was the type of player that I would, all, I wouldn't be able to sit before I batted. I'd listen to music, I'd walk around, stand, sit, talk, read. Like I had to be active. Um, yeah. So I was extremely nervous. I didn't sleep the night before over in India, well in Bangalore. Um, and then I, I probably just had a feeling in me that I thought, you know what, the fact that I've now been given the opportunity to represent Australia, um, that was such an honour and a privilege that it sort of relaxed me in regards to the result. So I, I lost that fear of failure or that fear of needing to perform, um, certainly in that first game, and it was more about how happy I was and, and excited that I'd you know, finally achieved my dream. So then yeah. if I got a duck, I didn't care. If I got 150, then I didn't care. I was, I was happy no matter what, you know. Yeah, amazing. So when, when you talk about listening to music and, and doing various things before each game, did you have a bit of a routine? Very much so, yeah. Look, it, it took me time to, to work uh, to get that as specific as it was. But, yeah, I had a, a routine really from uh, I'd probably say three days leading up to a test match. 
um, in regards to how I trained, what I did around um, physio, rehab, recovery for my body, food I ate, um, you know, that sort of thing. When it was, you know, when, again, sometimes it would vary. You would play back-to-back game, for example, so you mightn't have had the exact amount of time to do the preparation you wanted. But in an ideal world, I sort of knew my preparation and routine from three days out before the game, let alone, you know, walking yeah. out. Uh, it was very... I am very um, structured, organised, um, a little bit obsessive compulsive, um, but I feel like that whole thing. <laughs> At least you can stuff. admit it. <laughs> yeah, and I'm proud of it too because it does. It means under pressure or in a rush or when something doesn't go to plan, I'm, I'm in order for that. I'm ready for that. And, you know, for any parent out there, they know that once you have a child, structure is out the window. It's just do your absolute <laughs> best and hang on for dear life. I think I fought that for years yeah. when my yeah. when my daughter was born. I was like, no way, I can totally apply all of the usual tricks that I apply to the rest of my life. And yeah, it was to my detriment. So I, I now am pretty fast and loose with how life goes. It started with me. I'll never forget when Kelsey and my little girl started crawling around because I'd like to hang my clothes um, on the door, for example, before work tomorrow morning. So I know get up at four o'clock and I'm not looking for clothes, everything's there, ready to go. And she started crawling around and ripped the clothes off, throwing somewhere else. And I was like, okay, this is not going to work. You know, the the most simple and basic of things, she would just find a way to to sabotage. No way you're getting away with this. So nothing's changed. Five years on, she's still doing the same to me. I love that. I love that. And anyone who follows you on Instagram can see how much you adore your little girl and how much of a game changer that has been to your life, right? Yep. Yep. Changed my life for the better. No doubt. Yeah. Um, yeah. Eye opener. Uh, I, I guess I've been very fortunate to have a, I've got a, an older sister who's got two kids who, um, when Kelsey Lee's mum, Kylie, was pregnant, she was very honest with me. I went and saw her and said, Lee, you know, I want to know tell me straight what's it like to be a parent. Like you always see the rainbows and butterflies and I'm sure there's so many special moments about being a parent, but tell me some of the tough parts. And she did. She was honest. And, and I think that probably gave me some sort of preparation in regards to, you know, it's not always going to be, like I say, roses. So, um, you know, Kelsey Lee has been a dream come true. She She's changed me a lot uh, for the better. She's definitely softened me. Um, and again, I was I was one of those young men that always wanted the son, always wanted that last name to continue, always wanted a boy so I could take him to footy or take him to cricket. Not that you can't do that with a girl, as I've found out. There's nothing I can't do with Kelsey Lee that I could do with a boy. And, and, and it took me having a little girl um, to understand and realise that, I think, you know, and again, you know, if I hopefully in time I have more children, but if if Kelsey Lee is um, the child that I have, I'm blessed. I think I've even seen an Instagram post of you playing dolls oh with God. her. Oh, she's got this hairdresser <laughs> thing at the moment. She's like, "Daddy, I'm going to give you a plait," or "Daddy, you need big tails." I'm like, "Sweetie, <laughs> no, Daddy doesn't." But you don't get a choice. You sit on the, sit no. on the chair and let her go to work. So this week she wants to be a hairdresser. So it's hold on for dear life and look forward to what you look back at in the mirror. <laughs> yeah. Now you, you like me, you're a single parent and I know that in terms of the, the preparation and the mindset that you have to bring to parenting, yeah. it really changes once you become a single parent and you take on the role 
as both sides, really, you have to be the mum and the dad. What's that learning curve been like for you? Yeah, um, again, and I mean this so respectfully to Kelsey Lee's mum, I think it's been the best thing that's happened to me in regards to learning as a parent. You know, I think when when Kylie and I were together um, and we had Kelsey Lee, I always had Kylie to fall back on, you know, if something didn't feel right or, you know, I'll never forget Kelsey Lee when she had her first asthma attack. I was petrified. I freaked out. I didn't know what to do. And the first thing I did was run to her mum, you know, Kylie, help. What do I do? Kelsey Lee, stop breathing. I don't know what to do. And she was there to help, guide and support. And and I think that's where I'm very lucky. Our friendship now still allows that, that I can pick up the phone or I can ask those questions. But I've had to learn on my own. You know, I've, I've had to find mm. a way. I've had to, you know, Kelsey Lee and I actually together work out what we're going to do, work out, okay, Daddy, I've got a sore throat, okay, let's try this. Or Daddy, I can I can hear her not breathing. So in regards to asthma, let's go and see the GP or let's take the puffer or just little things that it was always easy to mum knows, mum knows, mum knows, where yeah. dad knows yeah. as well, you know, and being a single dad, you got no choice and I don't, I'm still, I'm, you know, every day I'm learning. There's so much I don't know, but it's my responsibility to try. And if I don't know to find out, you know, so I've, I've enjoyed that. I really have. And I think it's taken me to be on my own. Um, and like I said, I mean that so respectfully to Kylie, um, but to actually have to do it myself. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's simultaneously super hard and draining and exhausting, but yeah. it's also like I have a much closer relationship with my kids than I think I ever would have had yeah. if their dad and I had stayed together. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Again, look, I'm very family orientated. I, I always have been. Like I said, I've got a sister, my mum and dad, we're so close. I think the priority has to be your child, you know, and, yeah. and I think that Again, is where I'm very lucky to have a good friendship with Kylie, where everything we do, it's it's bigger than us now. It's always about Kelsey Lee, you know. It's about the decisions you make and, you know, you mightn't want to, um, especially when you first break up, you mightn't want to communicate um, as regularly as you do when you've got a kid, but it's for the betterment of your child, so you do that, you know. There's a mutual respect yeah. and a friendship that, I think every parent wants that. I think every, you know, single parent would love to have that friendship with um, their ex-partner or the mother or the father of their child. So you can. You can do what's best for your kid. You know, my mum and dad, they're not together. They were married for 35 years, separated, yet oh, wow. no one would know. Like we have Kelsey Lee's birthday or my sister's two kids' birthday or Christmas. We all come together as a family. If a stranger walked in, they would have no idea that my mum and dad are not together. You know, it, it, mm. it's a bond and a friendship that um, lasts forever once you have a child and they always put the kids first. Mm. So I guess I've learned a lot from them as well. Yeah, that's amazing having role models like that in your life. One of the things, though, about you and Kylie, I guess, still being so close and that being unusual, I suppose, for yeah. people who are divorced to still be close and put those kids first yeah. is that you get constant scrutiny in the media over, you know, are they back together? Yeah, yeah. Do you get, are you just so sick of the media attention of, you know, about your love life. <laughs> of course I am and I have been yeah. for a long time. But in the same breath, what do, you, what do I do? Like I think that's where I'm at now. I'm at a stage where 
I don't really care anymore. Like people are going to, like you see a photo with me and somebody and all of a sudden you're seeing them or you're dating them or, but it's, yeah, I'm so relaxed with that now. Um, And I think with all that, it's only what you want to read as well. Like if you want to Google your own name, you'll see stuff every single day or if you don't care, then you just don't read half of it. Um, Mm. Yeah. Again, my goal is to protect my little girl. Um, at all costs. My goal is to try and build a, a family foundation that she can be proud of as well. And again, the recent holiday that we all went on together, my sister, her husband, her two kids, Kylie, Kelsey Lee and I, you know, to me that was what our family needed at that time. It was yeah. a beautiful holiday. It was nice for us to spend it together. And I think, again, that's that's the friendship that I have with Kylie and I'm very lucky. I also understand and respect that a lot of couples don't have that that you go through a separation and a divorce and, you know, you never want to talk again. Our, our relationship wasn't like that, you know. We, we made a decision based on what was best for, for us as a family. Um, we honour that, but that hasn't stopped us being friends and good parents and that's important. See, I love your, um, you know, the the way that you can put all of this in context now with the media attention, but I know that it hasn't always been so easy for you. That's something that you've really had to learn over time, particularly early on in your career where you were just smashed by the media with the benefit of, yeah, with the benefit of hindsight, like why do you think that was? And B, how did you get to the point where you are now where you're able to, you know, be quite sort of pragmatic about it and not care? as much i think it's time i think it's just you know experiencing things over time where you get a bit stronger and the war becomes a bit tougher and you don't take it as personally as 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 i did when i was younger but yeah i did i cared a lot what people thought what people said i took offense to people um saying stuff that wasn't true and um having a crack at me when i didn't feel like i deserved it um and look, there's parts of that that I certainly brought on myself. There's no doubt about it. I, I think. Do you think like what? Yeah, what I did think, you? What do you? Well, I think I made some choices through my life that probably weren't the right choice at that time. Not in regards to you know women I was dating. Nothing to do with that. But you know, an example: I bought a Ferrari at 24 years of age. Was it the right thing to do? Probably not. I was travelling 10 months of the year, so I was never going to drive it. So I probably didn't need to go and do that. Having said that, though, that was a childhood goal yeah. of yours. Yeah, I had a picture of that car on my wall, yeah. Yeah, so why not buy that Ferrari? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just it's it's over time you learn about the Australian culture as well. Um, yeah. And we do have tall, tall poppy syndrome here. There's, there's no doubt about it. But the other thing as well, I think there, there, there's always been an expectation around what an Australian cricketer is meant to be like and certainly an Australian mm. cricket captain. And I didn't fit the mould exactly for both parties. I was I was proud of who I was. I um, you know loved and respected how my mum and dad brought me up, and I I, I knew I know my values, and I was happy to be me. I was happy to be different. Um, and I guess that probably still takes people time to understand, accept, work out: do they like? Do they not like? Um, and maybe that's the other thing as well. Maybe uh, I was so protective of not wanting to be completely me when I was younger, that that was probably the worst thing I could have done. You know, I didn't want to talk to the media or I didn't want to show who I was or I didn't want to, you know, talk about, you know, if I was going through something tough with my family. Um, I wanted to protect everyone around me. Um, where now I'm, now I'm, I don't really care too much. I'm like, 
you know, I am who I am. I'm proud of who I am. I've got my, you know, my family and friends close to me. I love and respect the media. They play a massive part in my life. And again, if somebody says something about me, I don't take it personally anymore. I'm like, I get it. He or she's got to write a column right now if I'm going to sell and you know, that's it. It is what it is. I, I know that, but it's it's hard too when you are an elite sports person. It's, okay, well, what am I signing up for here? Am I, is it my job to go out there and just perform to the best of my ability? Or is it also my job, like with the recent stoush we saw with, with the tennis players and not doing press conferences after yeah. matches? Like, is it actually their job to open themselves up to that kind of media well, scrutiny? I think once it becomes professional, it's your job to be a role model. I think that comes with playing sport at the highest level, particularly mm-hmm. these days. Once it's on television, radio, in magazines, newspapers, young boys and girls can see you and look up to you, then I think that is part of your responsibility. The problem yeah. with athletes is you don't know what you don't know. So until yeah. you get there, in my, in my experience, until I got there, until I started playing cricket for Australia, I didn't know anything about media. I didn't know anything about paparazzi. I didn't know anything about fame or celebrity. I didn't know any of that. And I had to learn it when I was in there. Um, and that's why, you know, there were some lessons. There were, there were some lessons to be learned. But that's the education now. I think, you know, for a, if I'm talking to my daughter uh, in five years' time and she's 10 and she's saying, Daddy, I want to play tennis uh, at the highest level, I'm saying, sweetie, no worries. But here's the rules of engagement. This is what comes with it. If you can accept that, go chase your dream. If you can't, then find another dream. You're listening to Claiming Your Confidence with Michael Clark and me, Katrina Blowers. Stick around because we are about to talk about the hardest thing Michael does every day. And he thinks so many of you guys will be able to relate to. So during the kind of wildest times of media scrutiny, I, you know, I read somewhere that you had to hide in a car boot at one point <laughs> to leave your house. Yeah. I think that was after you and Lara, Lara then Lara Bingle yeah. um, ended your engagement, wasn't it? And just the paparazzi attention was intense. Yeah, was Who did you have to go to? Who gave you advice? Nah, uh, I had my family, but nobody could advise me because nobody I knew sat in that position. Um, so a lot of it was learn on your feet. And again, it was, a lot of it was be true to who I was, you know, I was going through a, a breakup. That's, that's hard. Yeah. Stop. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what sport you play. Doesn't matter what level I was going through a breakup. So I had to, I had to deal with that and that had to be my priority. Um, you know, so I tried to find ways to still, you know, have my own space and get some time to breathe and, uh, and deal with, a breakup, you know, so yeah. and it took, you know, some good friends, some good family members to to be willing to help with, you know, like I say, little things like that. I had to get out of my house without the media seeing me because they would have followed me. Um, so I hid in the boot of my mate's car and he took me to his <laughs> house and I spent sort of four days there and that was the best thing that happened for me, just to clear my head, not feel that pressure and so yeah, it's it's I guess on one hand it's you know it's shitty that you got to do things like that to get some space, but I don't know. I, I think I sort of feel like I've been here for so long now, um, in this space that I'm okay with it. You know, like even now, 
why didn't I just walk down the street? Who cares if they followed me? Like, wave. If I want to talk, talk. If I don't want to talk, don't talk. Like, I feel like we also get a bit protective as well. Like, we're a bit. We think we have to hide, or we think it's 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 bigger news than it actually is. Like, mm. who cares if I'm if there's a photo of me with a, a woman tonight, and they assume I'm dating her, but I know I'm not. Did people really care? Like tomorrow you can turn the paper and somebody else is going to be in that photo. But I think we do that ourselves. We just get a bit caught up in the shit, you know. But also that comes with maturity and hindsight. I wasn't saying that at 28, let me tell you. Yeah. So, I mean, what a beautiful thing ageing is from that perspective. Yeah. It's It kind of sucks in every other way, but wisdom, right? <laughs> yeah, if only you knew then what you know now. I've never been comfortable with the celebrity side of, of what I've done. That, that mm. you know, to have a camera out the front of your house, go to Woolies and your daughter say, Dada, there's paparazzi, my five-year-old daughter, you know, because she's, she's been born around it. She's seen it every day. So it's never comfortable, but you learn to let them take their photo. Again now, you know, the way I am with the photographer now is so different to what I was 10 years ago. I would have mm. wanted to argue and run him over or run her over. I was so <laughs> aggro. When now I'm like, hey, going, hi. And it's normally other people in the street that just start abusing them. They're like, leave him alone. Leave the, the, what are you taking a photo of the kid for? Like where I'm, hey, going, <laughs> you know. Um, so, yeah, time. This sounds like a telly movie. It honestly oh, yeah. sounds crazy. Yeah. I would love to know what that transition post-cricketing life has been like for you. So you're now part of the media in a way, which I bet you, as we said before, I bet you never imagined that. But also, I mean, I know you feel uncomfortable with celebrity, but with that gives you a platform to, you know, channel attention towards incredible causes, like, for example, asthma, which I know has impacted on you personally. So it, it, it has been a bit of a beautiful life stage for you to rewrite what you're all about. Yeah, and look, I, I, I say this all the time, 95% of my life has been unbelievable. There's 5% mm-hmm. you wish you didn't have to deal with. But I think anybody would take that and run, you know. Yes. So that's the way I've seen my, you know, my time in playing sport or dealing with media. It's 5%. Like, I can handle that. I can handle the criticism. It's, it's such a small part. Transition mm. is, it's interesting because I think no matter how well you prepare, how well I prepared for retirement, there was still a transition period mentally more than anything else. So I was very lucky. I walked out of cricket and walked straight into commentary. Um, I had a handful of sponsors that I uh, had when I played for Australia that continued to work with me and I still work with them now. So that sort of meant I had, I had work. I had income, um, I had a job. Yeah. And through that period I got involved in radio and then, you know, I started to two years ago sort of started with that and started to focus on that as well. So in regards to having a job, I've been very lucky and have my, keep my mind occupied and have income. I've been very lucky with that. But still mentally the transition has been difficult and it yeah. didn't hit me straight away. It probably hit me a year and a half, maybe two years post-retiring from playing because – when I, like I say, from six years of age, I had one goal, one focus, one mm. challenge that I wanted to achieve, and that was to play cricket for Australia or be the best cricketer mm. I could be. When you lose that, you're looking to replace it. So even though I was going to work, even though you know I was going to the gym, even though I was getting out of bed every single day with a focus, 
the focus wasn't as clear as what it was from six years of age. And the yeah. determination wasn't as strong as what it was when it was cricket was my goal. So that's taken me time to accept as well that, you know, I don't need to be as heavily focused on what I'm doing to still try and be the best at it or to still yeah. try and get better. And I don't need to just have one goal um, to feel comfortable. You're allowed to do one, two, three, five different things as well as you can and you can still see that as success. Um, yes. So that's all taken me a little bit of time. Um, like I say, you know, I, I honestly feel and, and, I, and I think through my career, um, you know, there's been times when money has been a focus, has been a big part of my life. But, again, I think about having my little girl. Like my, my greatest challenge is being a single parent, a single father, but my greatest look at success every day is her. So it's like, again, I, I would always say, oh, income, you know, gives you a very clear view of success. Completely wrong. That's not the case in this instance anyway for me because I don't get any money from my daughter. It's the opposite. It costs me a fortune. <laughs> but that's yes. like the result of that every day. It's like saying yeah. you know, over the nets and bat and I would do something, I'd walk out and go, oh, yeah, that's it. I felt that. That felt better. I got that now. It's the same with my daughter. It's like doing a hair or daddy can only do a plait at the moment but I do a plait and me and her are like we're high five and go I did it I did it I did it so I get doing a plait is amazing Uh, yeah I think it is she doesn't yeah I think it is but it's like again I get to see (laughs) that result every single day and there's no money transaction that has been good for Mm. me that has been good for my health and again that's why I guess I've always always cared about certain charities um, but when mm. you're playing, it's you're full on. You haven't got time. You're so busy. You've got lots going on. Where I feel like now, one of the good things post cricket retirement has allowed me to commit more to things like that, like giving back, like yeah. charities that have affected me or affect my daughter or affect my family. Where you know you can probably have well, you can you can have impact. You just don't know it at the time. Yeah, I love that. Gosh, you've learned so many huge lessons, which you know. You're 40, but you still have so much time left to implement the yeah. the benefits of those lessons. So what a great position yeah, okay. to be in. I would love to know for someone coming to you now, like a younger player, what would be your number one confidence tip that you would give them? I think know what comes with it before you get there. Um, and I guess like any retired uh, or older player or person, it would be you would like them to learn from your lessons. Yeah. Um, and again, that's both highs and lows. That's success and failure. You know, I think you don't see it when you're in there, but a lot of the time it's through the tough periods of your life that you learn so much about yourself. Um, and even that, you know, even now you have tough days and it's so much easier to um, to go and be with a mate or to go and be with your family rather than actually sit on your own and cop your heat, you know, deal with it. Deal with that tough period on your own. Call it loneliness. Call it sadness. Call it, you know, feeling unhealthy. Call it on some days being hungover. Whatever it is, sometimes <laughs> sitting there going through it on your own and feeling you know, what you actually feel is, is the best thing you can do. And, you know, we live in a bubble. When you play sport at the highest level, you've got so many people around you and 99% of them want to pat you on the back. You know, that's their job. They think that's their role and that's what you want. Pat you on the back, look after you, you'll be okay, you'll be okay. 
you've got to feel stuff yourself. You know, you have a shit day, you've got to feel that. You've got to get to the gym or go and train and, and, and work harder and, and feel what it's like to go through failure because I think that makes you enjoy your success more. This is such good stuff, Michael. This is amazing. <laughs> um, tell me what you do for pure joy, something that has no outcome attached to it. Uh, I watch my little girl on her scooter uh, ride like a like she's fifteen, not five. She's a genius. <laughs> she's an absolute genius. Really, on her scooter, yeah. And I love it. I love watching it. She enjoys it. We go nearly every day, um, and I'm like I'm running behind her or walking or just that to me. Because again, like I think. My daughter has um, sporty genes in her body, you know. Kylie's fit and healthy and trains every day and, you know, has done sport and dancing, whatever. My, her family the same, uh, my mum and dad, me. So she's got that in there. But to see her do it in her own way and her own style, I'm like, it's awesome. And, again, like my, my little girl's still at five, has no idea that I played cricket. Yeah. I have no cricket memorabilia in my house and I'm sure one day she will and it's not like I've hidden it from her but she just, you don't know what you don't know. You know, to the yeah. end, we went to Coles the other day a few weeks ago to buy I'll buy some food, whatever it was, and she there was a um, there was a cricket set there and like um, sandcastle set, $2 each or whatever. Daddy, can I buy these? Yeah, of course you can. Took them to the counter. Um, she put them on there. Daddy had to pay and... And the lady behind the counter said to her, um, oh, what are you going to do? When are you going to play with this? And she said, I'm going to play with my golf set at the beach today. And it was actually <laughs> a bat, stumps and a ball. She thought it was a golf set. And Fantastic. the lady recognised me and just burst into love. And I was like, it's my girl. She just does not care, you know. I love that. I, I love, love that. that. That's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Look, and finally, with confidence, it's never a one and done. You've had to learn so many lessons mm. in the fire of life. Mm. But I'd love to know what are you working on right now in yourself, in your own confidence journey to take you to where you next want to be in life? I think we all face challenges. Get, I think the hardest part of the day is getting out of bed. You know, we all have those tough days where, you know, disagreement, something doesn't feel right, lose your job, uh, income's not what you want or what you need, broken heart, um, kid crying, uh, a million different things. I think that's the key, actually getting up. And that's the challenge I face every day as well. It's like, for me, I need a reason. So I'm, I'm grateful that I've got a few. I've got a job. I've got radio. So I've got to get up to go to that. Yeah. I've got a daughter. I've got to take her to school or I've got to pick her up from school. I want to be fitter and healthier at 40 than I was at 25. So I've got to go to the gym. You know. So I, I think I've convinced my brain that there's reasons there, even though there's still so many tough days where you don't want to get up. And, and that's the other thing. People see like the smallest part of, of your life whether it be through social media or you do the occasional interview and they think it's rainbows and butterflies. Mm -hmm. They think, well, what would he know about struggling? What would he know about a tough day? He's got everything. Yeah. We've got the same stuff. You know, every single one of us goes through the exact same stuff and that is what I love about this country. We own middle class better than any country in the world. <laughs> you know, if you go to India and you want to go on, and Virat Kohli goes somewhere for dinner, General pop, uh, population can't go to that same restaurant. True. No way. You're locked out of that restaurant. Mm -hmm. In Australia, it's the opposite. Work in the pub, work in the cafe, play cricket for Australia, 
we can all go to the same venue. And I think that is the reality of that's what life is. You know, I'm going through the same stuff. I'm having the same good day. I'm having the same bad. When I look outside my window right now, it's raining. When you look outside yours, it's raining. And I think mm. that's why, you know, I hope, you know, through me doing radio, people get to know me a lot better than what they did because you're on air five days a week. Yeah. People realise that, oh, he's normal. Yeah. Oh, he had no sleep. His daughter was kicking him the whole night. Oh, he booked school holidays, had to cancel it because you can't leave, you know, we're in lockdown. Like we're all going through the same thing. So, you know, my challenge is getting out of bed every day and I think a lot of us face that same challenge. Well, I think they say that the secret to life is something to do, someone to love and something to look forward to. And as long as you've got those three things, then you're on the right track. I can't thank you enough for talking to me and sharing so much of your wisdom. I've loved our chat. Thank you. you. Thanks for having me. It's uh, It's been nice. Yeah, thank you. Stay connected by following Claiming Your Confidence or me, Katrina Blowers, on Instagram. For more information on this or other episodes, head to katrinablowers.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate and review on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcast app and make sure you share it with anyone you think would benefit from a confidence pick-me-up. Claiming Your Confidence is created and produced by me, Katrina Blowers. Audio thanks to Turn. Term 6 podcast productions. I hope you're having a great week. Thank you for listening to Claiming Your Confidence.